0: Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is Not Your Average Grief Group. I'm Gianna DiMedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. Okay, first things first, I got to apologize. The audio on this episode is not in tip-top shape, so just bear with me. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. This is this is a low budget production everyone, okay? You know, th- maybe in some time we'll have like very professional audio engineers and some a, a beautiful sound studio. How fun would that be? Maybe with like a bar and like I don't know, like funfetti cupcakes just like constantly being served. But for now that's not the case, you know? It's just me, just your girl doing it herself, trying to figure out as I go. And uh, I try not to get stuck up in the details and make everything too perfect, but I like to have it sound good. And uh, a couple things were off on this one, and it, it's not great, but I'm admitting it up front, and I hope you forgive me. Anyway, on the podcast today, we have Mark Manning, who is going to talk with me about grief and how it intersects with masculinity. We have an unspoken rule kind of in society that men need to be strong and not necessarily tap into their emotions and keep it together if you will. Mark is going to talk to us about why that's not necessarily a good thing and why diving into his grief has really helped him. He is also going to talk about some ways that he realized his dad did hold back on his emotions and how that may have affected the way that he processes his grief. Uh, and also we, we talk about a few celebrities and people of note of men that have come out and talked about their grief and how powerful it really is. And hopefully many more will continue to do the same. So thanks for tuning in. And hey, when you get done this episode or even right now, if you want to take a quick break, hop over to Apple Podcast. Give me a rating, give me five stars, obviously, of course, because you love this. And write a little review, let others know that this is a great podcast that you are enjoying. I would love it, I'll give you a big smooch virtually, and I would appreciate it so much. All right, on with today's episode. Mark Manning, thank you so much for joining me you do a lot of work or focus on grief and masculinity. And I thought it's so important to bring this information to my audience because it's not something that's talked about often. So it's like, here we have grief in itself that's not talked about often. And then this even smaller subset of men and how they handle their emotions and their feelings. So I really wanted to dive into this. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have had a lot of different jobs and experiences i've lived in virginia california alaska now pennsylvania i've worked in the summer camp realm i've taught snowboarding i've worked for nonprofits, and then i've dabbled in freelance writing uh stand-up comedy that was never really a job I, I don't think i got paid more than like 20 bucks and half a sandwich uh but that's on, that's on like that a million things.
0: dollars in stand-up comedy world
1: yeah yeah absolutely and then Most recently, I've really gotten into axe throwing and I have my own mobile axe throwing company now. So that's my
0: mobile uh, axe throwing uh, company. So uh, you bring it to places and let it people set up and yes. Very cool. Yes.
1: It's very cathartic. When I, I used to work at a facility that did it in Philly. And I, one of the stories I would always tell is it was always like, middle-aged moms on a girl's night out and when they first stick the axe like (laughs) they just get this light and fire in their eyes like they're releasing all this stress from like you know wherever that they didn't even know they had pins up and (laughs) you're just focusing on the bullseye and like the repetitive motion of it is kind of therapeutic I would say.
0: Cool so like a jack of all trades a lot of stuff going on I know that you have Mm -hmm. a lot of um satirical writing that you do kind of (laughs) like the onion.
1: Yes I um that Helped me get through the the pandemic before COVID and all that started. I took a satirical writing class, and we had a great teacher his name's Ronald Metellus. He's now full time with The Onion, so we just kind of did uh, we we call it a satirical writing incubator. So it's pretty open and very helpful with feedback and with trying out new stuff. So I'm I'm very proud to be an editor for that.
0: Cool. I will definitely link to it in the show notes so that the listeners can oh. can see some of it because it was it was nice, good humor.
1: I have had some headlines that haven't been voted on that have to do directly with like grief and and death, but it's it's can be a touchy subject to capture well. Yeah, I would say.
0: absolutely. Yeah. So transitioning into that, you lost your dad. Uh, what year was that?
1: That was in two thousand fifteen in March. So last month was the 6 year uh, death anniversary.
0: Yeah. And is that crazy to hit six years? Cause I'm coming up on four and it feels like this absolutely wild warp of time that I can't believe it's even been that long, but it also feels like a decade ago at the same time. Does that feeling ever go away? Are yeah. you still feeling like that at six?
1: It's the, the distance I'd say is not, it's both helpful or not in some regards. Like it's easier to talk about as time goes on, even though the memory is still so painful and difficult. Um, but then my sister and I posted on Facebook uh, through my dad's like memorial page, like asking for any memories or stories people had. And I don't know if it was just the Facebook algorithm, but we didn't get a lot of responses from that. So I think the, some of the things that you realize you want later on, the immediacy of that person's death kind of prompts people to chime in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's definitely a, easier and more difficult in some ways, because there are like, I think there's always that fear of losing memories or you know, forgetting the sound of their voice or how they act. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and so it's it's harder to collect those uh, from people. But we did, my mom was very gracious and gave us a very good gym that I had forgotten about. about. When we were in high school, my, it was raining and we were going out to dinner and my dad dropped us off by the restaurant so we wouldn't all get wet. And then uh, in his rush to get out of the car and get into the restaurant, he grabbed my sister's coat who you know was Middle school, early high school at that time. My dad was—he was six foot seven, so he was like had this teenage girl's coat on coming <laughs> into the restaurant. It was just a very—I, you know, it's one of those things. Like when you're a teenager, like I didn't file that away right. in my memory storage, uh and so to even get that one story from my mom like made Because even
0: as a teenager too, you're probably like, "Oh, dad, you're so annoying. Like, why would you do that?"
1: oh And apparently, uh, I I had a girlfriend for all oh, two months in high school. That was my total romantic, <laughs>
0: That's your romantic um, history,
1: relationship experience but but <laughs> then uh she was there at the dinner and i'd forgotten that as well so, wow. so i was clearly just like repressed the memory out of complete I'm sure. yeah so,
0: yeah but it's those things to like have that memory now is golden you don't realize it at the time yeah yeah
1: yeah and but- i can picture it even though i don't remember the exact instance So
0: But that's very cool that you did that on Facebook. That's the second time I'm hearing about that now. I had actually seen somebody do that and just be like, hey, do you have any memories to share about my person? The thing I always say is like, I don't get to create new memories with him. So hearing someone else's memory is like being able to create new ones. So I always try to encourage people, the people that are like the friend of the griever, to offer your memory because I think that's a really nice yeah. way to connect with the person and to share something that they've never heard before too.
1: One of those kind of new memories, so my parents divorced when I was 16. My dad was single up until uh, his death. I mean, he had relationships, but he didn't remarry early. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite memories from his memorial service is there were like three women who worked with him who basically had some story about my dad hitting on them and that's like such a side of my father I'd never really seen before oh my gosh um, there's another woman who my father asked her out and then she turned him down and then she ended up dating this guy who cheated on her and she just had this story about him popping his head in the break room to be like told you should have dated me oh my and he like, gosh. Out, like <laughs> and so, uh, um, yeah, out it yeah it's definitely like that is a memory I wouldn't have had you know obviously I prefer to have a life and to have a memory but it is comforting to hear those new angles on somebody that you know so well.
0: Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. What is your take on grief and masculinity? Obviously being a male going through this, what was your experience? Mm-hmm. What have you come to to find out about this world? Yeah,
1: to put it in one word, I would say varied. Like mm-hmm. the men, I think, need to be enabled to experience grief with the same depth of and in, in variety of experiences that we traditionally allow women too. You know, I was reviewing some of my favorite pieces uh, like Patton Oswald and Stephen Colbert interview before this and you know there's some things that Patton said that resonated with me but I, I was like that, that wasn't exactly my experience but the fact that he's giving a voice to it and saying like this is what it was like for me is, is the most important thing uh, I just think I need to uh, get away from you know the stereotype of you know just being alone and, and drinking heavily as the best way right. to go. You know, right? And i because I've, I've done. I've I've tried to cope in a solitary way, and I've tried to cope, uh, you know, with a group of people or with friends. And uh, it's it's definitely more preferable to like have a space to talk about it and put it out in the open.
0: That's interesting. So you've tried it both ways, and you're able to see a difference.
1: Yeah, my father died in 2015. That next month, I was moving uh, to a new city because i could work from home and just or try something new and i didn't i didn't deviate from that plan even though i should have stayed in an area where i already had an established social group and the next six months closed myself off and mm-hmm. uh it wasn't the best environment and i i think i just kind of wanted to be alone yeah i learned from the experience but i don't think that had a lot of long-term benefits for
0: me yeah so you mentioned the Patton Oswald interview with Stephen Colbert, which I thank you for sharing with me because I had never seen it before. And it was fascinating. And one of the things that I feel like I preach very much about is you got to feel it to heal it and mm-hmm. you cannot run away from grief. It will find you. You need to yeah. process it. I mean, there have been times where, I've said to myself, you know, we're coming up on the Easter holiday as we're recording this. And I remember there was one year when I said, you know what, I'm just going to pretend that this this doesn't exist because that was always a day that I would see my dad. And I think I made it through like 75 percent of the day. And then the last 25 percent just like absolutely sucked because it found me no matter what. And I was so devastated, you know, that it's a holiday. I'm not with him. But one of the things, this quote that he has in this YouTube piece, and again, I will make sure I link to this in the show notes, but Pat Oswald, after the loss of his wife, shares with Stephen Colbert, if you don't talk about it, then grief really gets to set up and fortify its position inside of you and begins to immobilize you. But the more you talk, the more you expose it to the air and to the light, and then grief doesn't get a chance to organize itself. And I think that's a Fascinating way to put that.
1: Yeah, it, and it ties in with his stuff about you know he and uh, Tim Colbert go back and forth about like if you can mock it you can name it. Yes. Uh, you know because I was overconfident uh, in the fact that I I didn't think that that anniversary and dates would be important to me, but then after that first year and I hit that you know the beginning of March 2016 I was kind of like. Why am I drinking a lot right now? Mm-hmm. Like you know, and it's still it's still found a way to, to creep in. So now like to acknowledge that is and to organize for these these times that you know are gonna be more emotional than it takes the power away from grief yeah. organizing against you
0: Yeah. So let me ask you, based on all the satirical writing that you've done and just the humorous person that you are, have you mocked your grief?
1: I'd say I'm probably closer just to naming it in a comedic fashion. My father was a very interesting man, and, yeah, a lot his fashion sense was, you know, he wore what was comfortable for him. He would wear short shorts, long socks, and a panty pack. He was
0: like,
1: go for it. So, uh, the first... Which, ironically, you know, is back
0: in fashion, so he would be thriving in 2021.
1: Yeah. Skies out, thighs out, you know. Um, <laughs> it it would have... Yeah, he, he would have come back in the style, for sure. <laughs> When I am um, the eulogy, I wore a fanny pack up to the, the podium, and I had, I had items in there to kind of guide uh, the conversation that I wanted to have uh, about my father from the, all the And so that was kind of my first, like, kind of acknowledgement of, of some of the weird ways, you know, he had impacted me. As far as the, the satirical writing goes, like, I'm still workshopping it, but one of, one of the ways my father was a stereotypical man is that he was reluctant to share his emotions. Which is one, one way that I think we differ a lot. I think it just took him a longer runway. Like it took him six or seven years to talk to me about his experiences in divorcing my mother, you know. Okay, so yeah. he was very reluctant to up uh, about something very impactful. But one of the headlines I, I tried to make work a while ago was like Man with Repressed Emotions passes on the ability to repress emotions to his son. <laughs> yes. You know, to kinda kinda, you know, bring that to light and, and talk about how men pass on Kind of unhealthy emotional coping mechanisms.
0: Were there any instances that you remember your dad grieving?
1: I remember him not actively grieving with us as a family. His father died when I was uh, before I was a teenager, and instead of the whole family going out to Arizona to be a part of the process, he went on his own and brought back a VHS tape uh, from it. But we never really talked about it, um, you know. Because and we we couldn't always get to Arizona, and my I. I didn't see my paternal grandfather as much as my maternal grandfather who lived an hour away. So I didn't have a, as much of a relationship with him, but um, you know, obviously my dad did, but we never really had a conversation.
0: Real quick, we hear so much about self-care, we talk about it on here a lot, how it's really important taking care of your body, but sometimes getting the energy to organize that self-care can be tough. So today I wanna tell you about Bite. It's a company for aligners for your teeth the company offers daytime and nighttime aligners that you can get fitted for all from the comfort of your own home. The customer service is just unreal. They could not have made it any easier for me to get my aligners. They send out an impression kit. They call you to make sure that you got it, walk you through how to use it, and you send them back. And professionals come up with this really personalized and very cool treatment plan. You can look at it virtually to see what your teeth are going to look like each week as you put in the new aligners. It's pretty cool. They made just the impression process so easy that it really was a no-brainer for me to move forward with the aligners and it's really been so great since. I'm really happy that I took this step with self-care and invested in my smile. It's something I've been thinking about for a long time and I'm glad I did it. So with my specialized link you can get $75 off of the impression kit. It's normally $100 and with my link it's only $25 for you and if you do move forward and get the aligners, which you totally should, $100 off of that. So a small investment to do a little bit of self-care and get on your way to aligners for that perfect smile. Use my link. It's fbuy.me slash v slash Gianna Demedio. I know that's a mouthful. Ha uh-huh. no pun intended. fbuy.me slash v slash g-i-a-n-n-a-d-e M-E-D-I-O. I will put it in the show notes. So I want to share with oh. you uh, something I found on a on Google search when I, you I'm know, very started. excited for this. Yeah. When I started <laughs> researching for our topic, I knew we were having this conversation and I thought, hmm, you know, let me see what's out there on this and things that we can bring into the discussion. And I did a simple Google search of grief and masculinity. And you know how Google will auto-populate like very popular mm-hmm. searches for it? Well, the yeah. number one thing was, Can grief make you cheat?
1: (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. So I'm like, okay,
0: this is either men searching for this, trying to find an excuse for their cheating, or women searching for this, trying to find an explanation for their partner's cheating.
1: That came up. So I I was lucky to be, I was kind of had a guest appearance at... The first all-male dinner party potluck group in Brooklyn. I was up there for the dinner party fundraiser, and it just happened to coincide. So I, I, you know, stayed a little extra to be able to attend. And it was the first time that I noticed because we were able to speak about sex more freely and how the impact of grief on on. I don't want to say deviant because I don't want to like, you know, slut shame anybody, but like you're mm. a little bit more reckless sometimes, both with alcohol and decision making. Yeah. And so that. That is what I first thought of with that result. You know, people are noticing more reckless behavior in others and trying to like see if it's something. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're experiencing these very intense emotions related to grief, and so to distract yourself from them, you might be seeking out other very intense emotions mm-hmm. uh, as well. And that's like I wasn't in a relationship after my father died, but I I, I did feel that those same like impulsives and you know to be a little bit more risky i guess
0: yeah well that makes sense i'm trying sense. I mean... dance
1: around because i don't know if my mom's gonna listen to this podcast <laughs> this will be the you edited know, version <laughs> and i think it, it relates to the lack of coping mechanisms uh, that our culture kind of empowers men to have to talk about it uh so we go to the things we we know and are acceptable it's acceptable to sleep around. It's acceptable to get really drunk, especially if you're in a moment of internal crisis of the loss of somebody you cared about very much. And so I'm, i you know, I was just wondering if that's, that's kind of connected in the same vein.
0: So, what about other examples of grief in society that? have made it better or worse for the cause, do you think? I mean, I think the interview with Pat Oswalt, which we've talked about multiple times now, and Stephen Colbert talking about it on, you know, a very popular nighttime show, and especially with two men who are known for their comedy, was mm-hmm. huge because it's, it's like, it's okay to talk about this. We can also talk about it and laugh about it. Um, yeah. and then there's there's the interview that Stephen Colbert did with Anderson Cooper last year, which was just like I mean made waves about grief in general. So are yeah, there I, other I examples have that, like that?
1: I have that one bookmarked to watch as yeah. a result of reviewing the Pat Nozzle Stephen Colbert stuff. So, um, yeah.
0: Oh god, when Anderson Cooper starts to tear up, oh man, feel that <laughs> oh, one.
1: No. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that that's huge. Like seeing men be empathetic and compassionate and. Experience emotions, you know. I think one of the reasons the Pat and Oswald Stephen Colbert interview speaks to me so much is you can tell that Stephen Colbert is coming from a place of knowing and, and that informs his empathy, yeah. You know, and not to say that you can't be there for somebody who's suffered a loss when you haven't, it, but it's just almost like a different language, a different connection. Mm-hmm. I'd say the other two big examples for me. One was the HBO special called The Golden One by Whitmere Thomas, okay. um, and that was somebody in my satire writing group suggested I watched it. And it took me by surprise, because uh, it plays with the structure of the stand-up comedy special, but the most impactful thing to me was his his mom uh, played in a band called Sin Twister, because uh, she was a twin sister. They always played at the, I think it was the 4 Ama lounge or something like that so he is performing music and you know stand up comedy and music at the the place where his mom used to perform all the time and his willingness to face some of the the things that he's gone through like he has a song called party to death i believe which is about how his mom partied herself to death and that's why he doesn't drink which is such like an art subject but also that's like a very real thing that you need to you need to consider
0: what recommendations do you have for men who are grieving and on the flip side of that for people who may be supporting them?
1: The Patton Oswald quote, I wrote it down to make sure I remembered it. It's put grief where you want it to be, not where it wants you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think my main advice to, to men mm-hmm. is to acknowledge it. Cause I think that, uh, Definitely. is sometimes the biggest barrier to, to being productive with it. You know, if we borrow it, or bury it, excuse me, and we hide it and, and push it away, then it won't affect us. But it's something that you're going to carry with you, uh, regardless of whether or not you acknowledge it. And as far as the the people who are supporting them, it's it's so complex. I could I could talk about this for a whole other podcast. Yeah. Because when I hosted uh, a table at the dinner party, it, it was all women and me. And so a constant refrain that they were bringing up is how unsupportive their partners were. I always felt incredibly supportive. And I also have a tendency to date, you know, therapists and medical students. So that (laughs) might might be a reason why. But I always knew early on I could bring it up with my partners, um, you know, and that they would be supportive. But I think also voicing that support to somebody and then being open to the more spontaneous conversations, because I think... A lot of men would be reluctant to like sit down and really talk through it but if there's a day where I think of a memory of my father and I want to share it mm-hmm. you know be receptive and you know the right fault take advantage it, of then. that
0: opportunity of them opening up
1: yeah and that's my my roommate uh, he lost his father as well and we've had some moments like that we're just kind of in passing so that's I think a. a, a Big difference. I mean, on top of it all, too, is uh, outside of grief, I think men often rely on, uh, or at least heterosexual men rely on their partners for emotional support. Whereas women are great about having a network where they don't need uh, necessarily a significant other to be that support. Like Mm -hmm. they are are better at having a a network uh, for that, whereas men are not always going to uh, establish and have friendships like that.
0: Yeah, so you uh, you bring even, I, up a I've good seen... point and that was in that article from the Huffington Post that I read mm-hmm. that I had sent to you um again mm-hmm. I have a link in the show notes. Yeah. There's this author Randall Horton, he's a semi-retired philosophy teacher from Texas. He's now living in England. Um he wrote this article about mm-hmm. his experience with grief in different phases of his life. And the yeah. one phase was when he was a teen and it, he had lost he was 15 years old he lost a 25-year-old uncle and he felt that he wasn't really supportive mm-hmm. because his entire family was also going through that grief and Mm -hmm. nobody really stopped to explain to him, Hey, these are what your feelings are. This is the way that, you know, is beneficial Mm -hmm. for you to sort through them, or this is why you feel this way. And then as an adult tragic accident, his niece and nephew both drowned and he felt that everyone that was so very tragic. He felt that everybody that was trying to support his family was coming to him and saying, how's your wife? Is your wife mm-hmm. okay? Make sure you're there for your wife right now. And he was like, Why am I not allowed to have feelings? Like, why yeah. can't people look at me and say, How are you doing? Why? And so then, which I think is possibly something that, that goes on for men a lot too. And I, I know I always try to, if I have a friend that loses a parent, I try to reach out to their spouse and say, Hey, I'm sure this is mm-hmm. something that really affects you yeah. too.
1: Yeah. I really appreciate that article for that because it, the idea of men as like kind of being the glue or the, the figurehead of the household and the one responsible for holding everybody else together, you know, uh, in, a, in a very heteronormative sense and, and very, um, you know, that, that pressure, like that's still gonna impact the man who, who's doing it. I like to, I can't remember where I've seen this, but it makes sense with the ax throwing. Uh, if you think about it like a target, like everybody who had a direct relationship with the person, they're there in the middle And then if you're a friend of them, you're on the outside and then um, or like a spouse uh, who didn't have a personal relationship with the person who died, uh, you know, you're on the outside and then their friends are out here and all the support needs to be coming in Mm -hmm. to it. So it's interesting that in his case, you know, he's very very much in the center. Like he had a relationship. uh, It sounded like his niece and nephew, but then people are treating him like he's in that second ring. Yeah. He needs to be supporting people in the middle when he's in the middle, you right.
0: know? It was that's really I mean. sad because in the article he said, I felt very selfish in thinking I wanted someone to die who was only close to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, he did, I like how he reframed it. He's like, I really wanted people to support me, you know, which I I really value because that's like something a lot of men, I, I, especially American men stereotypically, like don't necessarily want to ad- admit because it makes you look weaker to yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I, I struggle with that in areas outside of group starting a new business i've really had to be intentional about asking other people for help because that is not my default setting
0: yeah yeah you
1: know i think about in this conversation is can sometimes be the assumption that women are better at experiencing grief that, and that might not be the situation for all of them you know there's some men who approach it very intentionally uh, but what i see commonly is is people kind of shut down and don't want them the first year after my father died, uh, my supervisor was a uh, therapist, and when we realized we had this common connection, because she had also lost her father, she sent me a care package, and it was a list of things how to cope. And one of the things was like, "It's okay to drink too much some of the time," you know. And just yeah. having somebody say that to me was very empowering. But also, you know, to do that forever is most certainly an avoidance right. technique, and I think that's what that's I, I really see most cool commonly with is men trying to avoid yeah yeah and that's and really I, cool because I, I, I think
0: it maybe put, took the pressure off of you right to say like it's okay for mm-hmm. me to do this every now and then it's not like i'm creating this horrible habit yeah. by doing it twice a week it's not that i'm doing it every hour of the day what do you mind yeah. sharing what other things were part of this care package i find this so interesting i don't
1: know if i still i think actually there's like this little box um yeah i still i haven't figured <laughs> well, this out what is great. Actually, he has it
0: right here he's opening it up
1: and yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that, um, so, get a therapist, get one who has experienced loss and grief themselves. Go to therapy even when you don't think you have anything to say. Exercise hard for five days a week. Drink a lot of water. Make plans for the hard days, which, which we've talked about. Yeah. Pre forgive yourself for being a weirdo about stuff. And it, it's unrelated. <laughs> You're lost, and let yourself feel like crap and then comfort yourself that I it's Obviously great. our listeners um, can't
0: see this. I have a huge smile on my face because I think that is so fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the things that I struggle with is, you know, there's so many people in my life that I'm acutely aware of now who have lost people. And I sometimes struggle with, with how to reach out appropriately. Yeah. Uh, or not even appropriately, just reach out at all because reaching out is the appropriate action. Yeah. Um, Cause it, it's, it's hard to, to make yourself sit down and just do something as simple as write a note because of, you know, again, it's that avoidance. Like what emotions am I gonna feel as a part of this? Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I always appreciate uh, Sylvia for that. Experience. So thank you, Sylvia.
0: That's amazing. Uh, Shout out to Sylvia.
1: And that, like that conversation that, like from our conversations about it, that's what prompted me to you know, reach out to the dinner party and they start a table from there. So it kind of was a, a, you know, I hit that year, sunk down really low and felt supported and empowered to go and actually, you know, figure out, uh, like that quote, like, where am I going to put the grief, not where is the grief going?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Any final thoughts before we wrap everything up here about grief and masculinity? What you would like to share with your fellow men going through it?
1: Yeah, I just want to go back to what I said earlier about uh, the importance of acknowledging it, even mm-hmm. if it's just to yourself, and hopefully that helps you, you know, talk about it to others, but also understanding that it's, it's going to be varied. People think of the, the, the Kubler-Ross stages of grief. Those weren't meant to be linear. Sometimes you can, you know, you never hit deny and accept that the person is dead immediately. And then you're angry and then you accept and then maybe you're angry again. And then you're like, It can be shuffled and you don't have to hit each one. I think that's the main thing. And look for voices that speak to you. You know, I've read uh, books about grief, but for me, like something I'm working on is like actually just reading more (laughs) books. Mm It takes me forever. So like, I'm more reluctant to pick up a book that has to do with grief because I'm already kind of reluctant to pick up a book. Yeah. So find those avenues and whether it's you know a podcast uh, or
0: exactly you know,
1: finding somebody like Pat Oswalt to watch his interviews or a media that, that, that suits your
0: that's really uh, great interest. advice. Yeah, that's like have it meet you where you already are because otherwise you're just creating yeah. a task for yourself that if you don't do it anyway, you're not going to do it.
1: Yeah, this is already hard. We don't need to add homework. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know? Um, that's like telling me in order for, to grieve you need to run a marathon I'd be like well forget that that is not <laughs> happening I guess
1: I'm gonna fight this for a while then <laughs> um and I think the the one thing and I I wrote a, a piece about it um but I hosted a panel for young adults to talk about their experiences of grief and even for me just hearing we had two men uh, on the panel as well and I moderated and just hearing their stories you know so finding finding it was very helpful to me like the whole panel was great it was one of my favorite days of 2018 hearing uh, other men speak and, and finding people who have shared experiences or i went to a, a retreat and there was a person there who had also lost their father who was a firefighter and so i was oh, wow. just like blown away like of course i know this exists but that other people have lost Dads or moms who are firefighters, but to, to meet somebody like felt like such a slim chance. When I'm not looking for somebody
0: specifically yeah. like that, but
1: like our conversations were so so good. So find find somebody who has some commonality with you. So yeah, to sum it up, work on acknowledging your own grief. Acknowledge you're going to have a varied experience. find media that speaks to you, and also look for people who share something in common. You know, like maybe. Somebody close to you died of cancer, and you have a friend whose parents going through cancer. Like, there's obviously going to be differences, and you don't want to get into a grief battle, but like, you can still support each other even if everything doesn't line up.
0: Yeah, that's really, really great advice. Thank you so much for that. I am positive that will help the listeners here. So, thank you so much for this conversation, Mark Manning. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here.
1: Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me. And, and thanks for making masculinity a topic that you're covering.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at so sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, like I said, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of so sorry for your loss. Next episode, we have Sarah Frazier from the Sarah Fraser show. She's amazing. So authentic. So real. So freaking funny. We talked to her about the loss of her dad, her miscarriage, and her beautiful baby boy, KJ. So stay tuned.